This is Ash Lauren, back to present another exchange in collaboration with Underground in Black. This time, I'm sharing my conversation with Virgil Abloh. We deserve the people of color that have contributed to pop culture, multi-billion dollar industries. Exactly. We deserve to relish in the success just as much as we deserve the sort of like positive feedback that creating from struggle gives us. Like that's euphoric, but it doesn't pay us in practical monetary terms. It seems like Virgil Abloh has a hand in just about everything. From his roles as artistic director for Louis Vuitton menswear and CEO of his brand Off-White, to architecture, to design, to DJing and production, Abloh is on a tireless quest to put his stamp on how the modern world looks and sounds. Born in Rockford, Illinois, to Ghanaian immigrant parents, Virgil grew up a music lover, listening to his father's jazz records and the likes of Fela Kuti. DJing by his teenage years, he became the kid who hauled his parents' equipment to play all the parties. Over 20 years later, he's still incredibly zealous about music, which, like fashion, has taken him across the globe. With a new single out featuring Serpent with Feet and a remix from Omar S, as well as the recently announced radio residency on Giles Peterson's Worldwide FM, Virgil continues to pursue music and fashion with equal avidity. Right, everyone. Welcome to the Underground and Black and Resident Advisor Exchange. This is the first interview um, that I will be conducting for 2021, and I have a very special guest with me, uh, beaming in via Zoom, uh, Virgil Abloh, who is a, a DJ, an artist, an architect, and an all-around creative. Virgil, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me this afternoon. How are you? Really well. I can't complain at all. You know, I'm, I'm happy to, to connect with you on your show and just uh, chill. Yeah, 2021. We're here. Yeah, yeah. Um, energy is feeling a little more hopeful this year than last year. Um, for me, at least. What about you? <laughs> No, I can't. I can't. Uh, like, I would say the exact same thing, you know, like just getting out of 2020 itself, you know, was like, um, like a, a feat of humanity. <laughs> so at least yeah. I can just like think, think on a blank slate for, 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 for what that means. Exactly. Um, a lot of people honestly didn't even make it through 2020. So just the mere fact of like surviving it and like being yeah. here today to talk about it, I realize is such a blessing. Um, but yeah, so you said that you're in Paris right now. Um, like, what have you been up to lately? And you know, what you got going on? Yeah, I'm in Paris right now. You know, I split my time between here and Chicago where I live. Uh, I'm at my studio here at Louis Vuitton. Uh, I'm talking to you uh, via Zoom on top of uh, a Macintosh amplifier and my computer sitting on 
some Technic 1200s. So nice. that's, <laughs> a, that's a bit of a context for what my studio at Louis Vuitton is like. You know, for me, it's not, I just don't show up here and do fashion in a silo my life and career are about doing everything at once um so music is a part of my ecosystem literally and figuratively yeah um that was interesting because when i was just kind of like researching you and you know i definitely knew you did a lot of things but i thought it was interesting um you had mentioned that DJing is kind of like what you were doing before a lot of the things that you do now. Um, and I actually didn't know that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, like your experience DJing or what exactly got you interested in uh, music and DJing? Well, kind of all like for all of us, you know, for if you ask any sort of anyone who's sort of in music or culture in this sort of way, like there's no official start date to when you started your journey. Um, So for me, it's like, you know, uh, like everyone has those stories of their parents' record collection. You know, I think that that's first and foremost. My parents are from Ghana and West Africa. So my dad, uh, you know, grew up listening and loving jazz, uh, like high life music, and that was like my first engagement to music and, and knowing records and knowing artists. But then, you know, I grew, I'm born in 1980, so I grew up in the 90s and it was about like turntablism, hip hop in Chicago. So I was like taking my parents, you know, record players, two different brands, buying a mixer and scratching in the living room. And, and that like was the start of my DJ. You know, I was the kid that was DJ all the high school parties. You know, I'd show up oh, with wow. like my same parents' equipment and I would set up the amplifier and I would DJ. So I was doing that when I was like 17. Um, and then my musical influences were the radio in Chicago. You know, there was a there was a an hour on 107.5 WGCI that was like classic house. And then it was at the same time, B96, which was like, you know, house, me and bad boy Bill had like a radio show. And I was like, but I was a hip hop kid, you know, but all those influences were, were equally weighted. And then that was my, that was my like teenage experience. And I like today, I just try to stay a teenager, you know, (laughs) it's my metaphor for living. Right. I, I will say, though, um, I mean, I was born in 85, but I I feel like our teenage years are like just some of the older millennials. I feel like we were some of the last generations to like really have that like radio like culture because everything is on the Internet now. And although there's like Internet radio and I love that we have that um, for yeah. me, it was very similar. Um, I was listening to an interview you did and you were kind of saying like you were hearing dance music growing up on the radio um, in Chicago, but at one point you didn't even really know who the people were, like the deeper history of it. You kind of just know those rhythms and those yeah. And um, that really resonated with me because me growing up in Detroit, um, yeah, like underground resistance, like timeline, there's like classic epic tracks that the, everyone knows whether you're a house head <laughs> or into techno, like before I even knew like the broader scale of this music or who the players were, I knew the music just from the radio, yeah. like live from the club on Friday night. 
like, damn, this shit is kind of <laughs> hitting. I didn't know who it was. And then, um, yeah, once I grew up and kind of like saw the, you know, the, the reach of this music, it was like even more ex- inspiring. Um, but again, like, that's cool that the radio was kind of like your exposure, you know, to a lot of music. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, and it's like, I was explaining this, like, to someone yet just yesterday. It's like, when you're about this life, there is no effort. There's no start time. There's no, like, hey, I need to do the research on all these songs. Like, these, yeah. like, you just grow up in Chicago, like, a, a juke music, you know, footwork like those are all in the same party or they're adjacent you know or you know like as I got to be a teenager um there's this awesome club and it's funny because both of us we're talking about the, the after the glory days right when yeah. you say you're from Detroit like people might assume I was not I wasn't I wasn't fortunate to be young enough to be in Chicago during like the heyday that made it what it is but yeah I'm a part of the descendants of that. So there was this club of club called Sonatech, which was just like, uh, you know, sort of like modern lounge, but like, you know, audiophile. And my friend, I was used to work the door intern for this girl named Sonia, who built this party called Africa Hi-Fi with Ron Trent. And that became a very much like, the formal part of my DJ, you know, like I was, I wanted a DJ and they were like, yo, sell tickets and do coat check at the door. <laughs> but having that foundation and I was a hip hop kid, you know, like I was listening to Wu-Tang mob deep and, you know, grind music and whatever. But like that to me is an important like heritage piece and being a Chicago kid, you know, Yeah. And I I think that there's definitely a connect between like the genres because it's interesting. I was introduced to dance music through my older sister, but a lot of those people, and they were like legit straight up ravers, like big pants, everything. I was like, (laughs) I was like an eighth grade, like going to raves with my sister. She was like a freshman in college. I was just wanted to like emulate them. I thought they were so cool. Um, And a lot of the music I was learning about was through them. But again, it wasn't just dance music. Like they were also really into like underground hip hop, like people under the stairs, most deaf, the roots, all that type of music I was introduced to uh, through these rave kids. So it's definitely kind of cool to see like, you know, I guess, you know, dance music is a driving force behind like rave culture. But a lot of those people also we're just listening to, you know, different sounds, uh, which makes yeah. sense because dance music is influenced and created through those different sounds. Well, something cool for you and I to dial that's particular to this like Chicago, Detroit, same sort of era. It's like we have the, the monument of the glory days, but our culture was still analog, right? You know, we had the, the radio, like to hear a song, there was no shazam or there was no track list posted that you could go to like yeah exactly you know like okay i'm about this like i was going to gramophone i've been going to gramophone since i was in high school which is our record shop but Mm -hmm. i think the theory that we'll sort of flesh out in this conversation is that the glory day our glory days are exactly what you described with your sister right black experience within different 
like all the spectrums of music to be this collage. Exactly. Yet we are DJs. So like, you know, we sit in front of like two mixer, two sources and a mixer, which to me is like the best invention of all time because it's metaphoric of being able to weave a storyline through ready-made, like existing pieces of content. Exactly. Um, but it's our identity. You know, it's like, this is where I get into like the art of the DJ, right? Like that's throughout time, through the glory days or from our time, the person who can sonically or categorically or stylistically blend things together to tell a story is an artist. Exactly. Um, and and we're f- right before the internet. <laughs> so it's like there's this period of like this is current culture now, which has all its disparities in terms of black representation or acknowledgement of their art in DJing, yeah. you know, or fashion where I'm calling you from or within art. It's the same scenario, but for for us to sort of unpack that is and record it so that other people can listen to it i think it's just like that's why i do what i do and you know that's why i don't sit still between like i just don't do fashion or dj or that it's like trying to get the most out of life yeah yeah and i and i respect that and i i definitely like relate in terms of like you know we're continuing that legacy um because again like a lot of the ogs and people that i look up to um, you mentioned Ron Trent. I was going to touch on that as well. That's also like a really great friend of mine. So we've yeah. discussed you a little bit. I told him I was going to ask you about, nice. you know, y'all's <laughs> time working together. But just you being here on the Underground and Black podcast, um, that was really like my initial like um, kind of like goal or like thinking behind it was just like I wanted to continue on that culture. You know, I wasn't seeing a yeah. lot of like millennial people talking about dance music or listening to it, or I would tell my black friends I was doing it and some of them would be like, oh, that's white. And then, <laughs> you know, like even people in Detroit, I'm like, this shit was like created in the city yeah. you live in. Yeah. And like, they didn't know the history of it. Um, and even just in the few years, you know, like I've been doing this, it's been really fulfilling just to kind of continue that legacy and to be a faith. Yeah of representation uh, for black artists uh, in America, especially because people a lot of times don't even associate electronic music with people from America. And it's like, come <laughs> on, like this is yeah. super like domestic, you know, and yeah. it's important that we, uh, you know, let people know that and, you know, are, are the faces of it. Because again, like, yeah, like black art and culture and creativity, unfortunately, a lot of times it, gets kind of, you know, taken over a bit and we're pushed to the side and people don't even know, like, this is our shit. (laughs) Yeah, no, which is like, like we're we're fulfilling one part of the mission just by sort of oral stories, you know? And that's why, that's why I centered it on our post, post, because think about it, the further away you get from the epicenter, the traditionally, the more the story's rewritten. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what they're doing with dance music. I mean, exactly. But for (laughs) us to sort of like say, hey, we're going to tell our stories and we're going to contextualize it can hopefully extend the epicenter out like, you know, through time. But it's such a such a such a wild like even when you're just saying that, I think about like, you know, like my my USB is like the most 
chaotic cross genre thing you could <laughs> ever have. Um, and so like, yeah, like all, that's why I stuck with hip hop, you know, like I wanted to be, a, I've been a DJ for what, you know, 25 years or something like that. Wow. So of all those years of like playing a party, imagine like I'm, I'm one of those people who I'll play every day for like four hours. It's like I have like a social awkwardness where I don't want to sit in a club and talk. You know, I'd rather be like headphones. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm there, but I'm, I'm I don't have to socialize and I exactly. like to control, you know, I don't, have to, I don't want to be an extrovert like life of the party. Like I can be there from start. I'll be the last one to leave. But imagine of all those sort of nighttime scenarios like being in like an all black environment and then being like oh I don't want to hear electronic music I want to hear rap (laughs) you know or 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 like the opposite you know like I'll be playing in Europe at wherever and after like 30 minutes of like house and techno like my brain is like all right time for like that's my sort of brand of DJing is like paint a picture I'm not monotonous in any way so then yeah I'm always trying to like make two people exposed to you know something that I'm into yeah um definitely like I was checking out your sets and like they're definitely not linear like at all and like I thought that Yeah, I love that, especially me coming from the dance music world. Like sometimes I hate that I'm so just like deep house, like techno. (laughs) But like I was listening to like your televised radio and like, yeah, they're kind of like soundscapes. Like you don't really know what to expect what's coming. You know, it's like Fortet, like mixed into like Meg the Stallion and then like (laughs) Miles Davis thrown in. And there's like a movie clip, like some cool, like little conversation from a movie. Like, so I I really like that. And I think, you know, you know, the point you made about just uh, embracing those different sounds, like as a way, you know, of course, it's what you love, but it's definitely a way to like educate people. Like some people may not be ready just to hear a straight house set all night. But if you throw yeah. in like some trap music, they're like, OK, yeah, cool. Yeah. And then you mix it in. That's like, you know, yeah. you got to just feed it to them a little bit. But again, yeah. like yeah, just the importance of just actually playing it you know, because a lot of people aren't, um, especially in the way that you are. So like, shout out to you because, um, (laughs) that's some real shit. Like, appreciate it. But it all as like the real, it's good to talk to you in the context of DJing where it's like, you understand it. So I don't have to do 20 minutes of explanation, like the algorithm. And I saw this as like one of the sort of talking points as we move through, it's like, let's just lay it all out the context underground overground right yeah, yeah. And <laughs> like that's that's the prism which we got to establish early in this conversation because uh, I have this like running joke with all of my like contemporary best friends creatives DJs like all of my like the majority of my black colleagues are like underground purists right they they have private Instagrams. They have a collective of like two posts or 10 posts up, but like they're on it all the time. They, they you know, we're, we're, we're like, you know, we're thinking, we're dialogue, we're debating, we're, yeah. we're, we're critiquing all the time. We, we, we're sharing music, the best music. But 
I say that because I have 5 million followers, right? Like I'm out in the middle of the street. Yeah, when I post a flyer, like it's packed, right? Full of, as you can imagine, like people from all over, people that want their sneakers signed, people that know me from 10 years ago, people that know me, you know, I've been deep and I've been on a DJ circuit, like, you know, playing like 200 nights a year while doing fashion for the last. So wow. it's like, I've played that was, that's been my thing. Um, but the underground overground thing makes it very complex in order to judge who I am. Right. Cause exactly like niche people love things to stay niche. Like, you know, like, how do you know about, you know, like this rare Omar S. Carl Craig, whatever, like you shouldn't, like, we don't, you don't really broadcast that. You don't want people to be like, or you know what I mean? Like keep underground things underground, keep, yeah, yeah. keep pop things pop. And where I sort of hack the system, I think that's why my, my taste is eclectic. Cause I'm trying to like, unravel this conception that things that are pop are whack that are popular pop culture and things that are niche have to stay niche right when it's like in our lifetime both of our generation we've seen that cycle get faster and faster with the internet yeah and I mean my thing is like and this is interesting because yeah me and Ron Trent had this conversation I've been having this conversation with a lot of peers of mine lately because Again, yeah, I come from like, you know, Detroit underground. I play like dance music. I don't fuck with commercial shit, quote unquote. (laughs) But as I'm getting older and like more opportunities are arising and like I'm a grown ass woman and there's like stuff I want to do as a business person. And I find myself being like, oh, like, is this underground enough? Or like, oh, are they going (laughs) to laugh at me because I did such and such? But I'm realizing like, first of all, underground to me is a state of mind. So regardless as to what brand you work with or whatever, like that's not going to change that me being underground. Um, And then secondly, like, you know, you brought up the social media thing. Like, yeah, what is really all the way underground anymore? (laughs) Like, it's kind of not possible. Like, again, the shit I was doing with my sister. Yeah, that was super underground because there was no, I don't even think MySpace was there yet. Like, we were on like Napster. Maybe that was the only thing. I was on Napster trying to like find stuff. But yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so I don't know. In in the era we're living in, um, you know, my view on it has changed, but I think, you know, what you're doing is kind of like bridging the gap between the two. Um, And of course, there will always be people, like you said, niche people that want underground to be underground. Um, But I mean, it is what it is. I I see the, uh, the upsides of merging the two worlds together. And again, if you still underground and true to yourself and your soul, And you not know sellout type yeah. motherfucker. Like, who cares? Like, come on. Exactly. And that's <laughs> me to a T. Like, I live that like, like, let's be real. When no one knew me, like it was like no one like my my come up was so slow, you know. And that's what's great to see you because my feet are on the ground. It's that you know, you take the prism of 2020, right? Like, let's as a sidebar, you see how black uh, contribution is 
sort of just racially slighted. <laughs> like yeah. you see how it's non-equitable, you know, yeah. non-equal, like it's not equal. Yeah. And then I understand why we keep it underground. You know, it's like, it's just better to be in a safe space. Don't have to worry about the other economic, but on the other side, it's like, you know, DJ gig, uh, gigs offered, fees offered, you know, I simply was like, in my lifetime, I can change that, right? If I didn't, yeah. I was like, I, let me be the one in, in Ibiza uh, or the one in Mykonos or the one playing Tomorrowland, showing them and suggesting Black DJs that they should book and be on these tours with me and you know, doing residencies and being like, let me, let me curate the lineup for exactly. these nights because it's, you know, you have a, I have a choice, right? It's just to, to like use my platform to usher and educate rather than like doing it for my own self-esteem or ego, you know, like uh, my whole method is a Trojan horse, right? If, if someone dials in, it's like, oh, I'm super opinionated. I have a logic. I have an understanding of how the world works, mm -hmm. but I have an ability and I've built my sort of like career off of like opening the door and keeping it open for real motherfuckers that exactly. like, like all, all my conversations are like this, <laughs> like we're having like yeah. at the bar at the new <laughs> at noon is like culture talk. Like right. either it's like, back in the day do you know this or you know like this kid right now in london who's like you know i'm finding new kids in new york and brooklyn that are producing fire techno and i'm like black kids and i'm like damn how did i not know about them like let me follow let me buy let me yeah. repost their content because it's like like i decide the underground just to end the underground overground thing it's like i'm doing it with purpose and I'm there doing it go. to open the doors. Like, exactly. that's that's me. You'll be able to, like, because uh, I just feel like that's my resistance, right? That's my yeah. trying to solve the world's ills using tools like fashion, music, and art as like, oh, I can sleep at night, you know? Exactly. And I mean, and you, and you made it like, you know what I mean? You're at that point where you can help and you are doing it, like amplifying other black creatives and artists. So again, like, yeah, you know, people can say it's commercial or fashion is an underground. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like you said, you're ushering in new people from the culture, you know, from dance music and yeah. You know, young okay. Black here's creatives. a good question though. Like, yeah. this is a good, like, just rewind. <laughs> speak because I like like we could do a whole hour on just underground itself because you put a great point in my mind I'm gonna send you this clip on Rick Owens because like he's got a fake cult following and someone asked him like are you sellout or are you still underground and he's okay. trying to grapple with it but when yeah. you said it 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 also like it's worthy just to air out but one of the most underground parties that I've played, ironically, was in Detroit. And I'm just bringing this up to ask. Oh, wow. You, okay. What's the what's the venue that's kind of it? You walk in, it's like a it's like a hotel, but you go upstairs, and it's like in the back. It's like in the center of Detroit, and it's kind of like a feet. It's all. It's in the back oh, of like an abandoned um, hotel. Yeah. Like all like oh gosh. Blocks. Oh my god. Um, 
Oh, is it? <laughs> I, I know exactly is, where you're talking. Is that a known about. spot? Yeah, yeah. It's been there forever. Uh, something club. Oh, my God. Um, it'll come to me, but I know. It's, it, like, it, yeah, but like I'm just talking about like underground experience where it was like I'm in Detroit playing. And it's, of course, it's like any city that has like a history of techno, you know, you can play. But I just remember it being super dark and super yeah. like raw energy and kids came to hear hip hop and then you could play techno and it was like you know that's what kind of as you could tell like I feed off that for, for a long time like being able to play in, in in venues like that and just you know kind of like play you know that's when it all matters it's like at, at the end of the day it's like can you really tell a story you know with these songs Exactly. That's why I'm like, I mean, again, the underground versus overground thing, I think as long as your sound is still speaking for itself, you know, people are going to say what they're going to say or think what they're going to what they want to think. But um, yeah, like the commitment to underground culture, regardless as to if it's kind of more to the forefront, um, I think it's important that we just stay committed to it and stay amplifying it and just keeping it black. And it's crazy yeah. because it seems like people are taking more of an interest in dance music and some people don't like that. Um, but also I'm like, you know, the whole underground thing, it's like, yeah, if you're trying to make money and survive off this shit. And I used to even feel bad like saying that, but I'm like, if anyone should be like making money off this shit, it's black people. So like, <laughs> why, why should we feel bad if we did this little gig with Ray-Ban or whoever? So like yeah. my my whole like view on the overground versus underground thing is definitely changing. Um, and I think that's maybe just come with growth as a person because I know who I am and I'm sure you know who you are. Yeah. So regardless of if people think it's underground or not, you know, you know what your cause is and why you're doing it and how long you've been doing it. Um, that's so the I fact. Think, yeah, the, at the end of the day, it's like, y'all can't tell me shit. So. But exactly. But like, let's <laughs> do this. This is, this, and mind you, this is age old questions, right? Like people were dealing with this hundreds of years ago in different contexts. So yeah, and the funny thing is that overground underground context is City, only Leland City Club. I'm sorry, that it just came to oh, me. City bingo. Club. That's the name of that venue. Yeah. <laughs> I, knew I knew it would come. Gonna... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that spot. But so underground overground. But the the problem is with that context of like keep it real. Like look at your OGs to give a con. You know, like this is when you're 20, you're 30. All you like if you're of course, you keep it real is different than underground, overground. But yeah. I want to make sure that all of my OGs aren't aren't living off their contribution. Like, you know, like the work that they, like Ron Trent or something like that, you know, like personal mentors in fashion and art. Like, the thing is, we're all so influential, right? And by influential means that millions of dollars are created by us deciding to play at this club, us playing these records, us mm -hmm. being these personas. I don't want to see anyone in a non-successful position based on their influence. Like exactly. it, it, if we talk about imbalance, like that is a practical, like rent, lifestyle, being able to continue their art form. And for me, I've just found that I can fight for more black artists by 
existing in the overground, opening up doors, and also, also educating through the music and the context and through the art form. Like, exactly. it, it starts to double and triple on itself in my own ecosystem because it's like, A, they're seeing a Black guy play um, techno when they're and then like when they're used to seeing like a different archetype but then also on the lineup is a friend of mine who i have like a you know my ecosystem my community they're also on the bill then they're they're playing music by these artists that are like next up and coming so it's like i feel like rather than hey i'm just gonna keep it low key like i'm gonna like not not invite overground sort of like opportunities just so that no one can say that I'm whatever you know it's a balance yeah like that yeah it's like you got to just go for it you know what I mean and like especially in this day and age again like I think the merging of the sounds and the styles especially for like younger people you know, generation like Z or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, because yeah, yeah. like, yeah, they don't really know about this. Like this, this culture is even like so much farther from their upbringing. So I think, yeah, just kind of merging, you know, the sounds. And then in terms of like, yeah, the OGs, it's definitely been sad, like to see how some of them, like, yeah, they have this clout, but maybe in their personal lives, they're not doing that well. So yeah. I think, you know, it's important, you know, for us to tell these stories, to embrace them and, you know, to do what we can, because, yeah, there there's been things I've heard about people. You're like, man, like they're not doing that great, but they should be yeah. like, you know, motherfuckers are struggling. And then it's like there's people out here making millions off this stuff, you know, exactly. so it's just like, like you know. these festival line. Like and I think that this like you're you're doing it proper by having these conversations while we're it's a pause because. What happens is if if the summer schedules are out and people are touring, it's like no one wants trying to hear yeah, they don't about care. the <laughs> disparity in cl- festival lineups, right? On house and uh, house and techno, black music originated uh, festivals, and then you look at the lineup. So it's like, like I'm hoping that this awakening in terms of the industry on how disproportionate it is towards acknowledging DJs, female DJs that are black, you know, like, can we, you know, I'm a little bit of like a optimist and utopia type visionary in my world. Like I'm like, on some like, can everyone just get along type shit, even <laughs> though that's like, but imagine this, like, uh, you know, when Stevie Williams connected us to, I looked at your Instagram, I was like, 100% like I'm not even wasting time with like because I've seen all that I need to see to know that you're legit in your space and we didn't know each other right exactly. so of course in our community it could be like ah oh, until I meet you would we ever like build or, or anything and I was like no it's too urgent right yeah. that like there should be festivals that we all are all combining on that are showcasing black electronic music just the same way you know uh what's that uh pitchfork or whatever like uh any of those like uh what am i trying to say not pitchfork but like um any of these south by southwest is like bird like supports indie bands yeah exactly like 
why can't we in 2022 be launching a three-day festival in between Detroit and Chicago that's the epicenter of Black uh, music? You know, it's like, I'm, I'm like, exactly. oh shit, like, how do you do that? Like, so let's start building that. Like, it can happen in our lifetime because I don't want to sit and talk about what's wrong. I want to enact change. That's just how right. I feel. And that's crazy that you say that because that's kind of like how I feel. I mean, especially through like 2020, I've definitely been that person that's like done a lot of interviews and like, you know, just talking about like the Black Lives Matter movement effect on dance music. And I've done all that. And for a while, I did start to feel like, okay, like we've talked enough, like (laughs) I'm ready to like make some real change. And like, and what you mentioned about like the whole festival thing, I think that's something we do need to see more of is like actually just black produced events. Yeah. Because I will say like, you know, I was starting to get kind of like on the festival circuit and touring and whatnot. And I mean, the fact of the matter is like 90% of the bookings or the things I'm doing are like by like, you know, white creatives or clubs or booking agencies or whatever. And, you know, shout out to them. Like they're doing their thing. Like I'm going to do it, but it would definitely, I definitely realize that there's definitely like, room well if there's not there they we gonna make it like we need to have our own shit we're like we're curating we're selecting the artists you know we're behind the programming because sometimes it's just little things it's like okay this event would have been okay but it's just like who was behind the programming like where was your mind at like (laughs) i just don't get the logic you know behind it so I mean, I'm, like I'm hoping part. that, you know, moving forward at when we get back out there that, you know. Yeah, it. no, it's like a reset. It's just the same way that, you know, like the thing about me, any DJ or any true DJ of my type is a digger, right? Like we, we spend like a literal like chunk of our lives purely like in research mode whether that's like in the past or in the the future. And for me, this pause has been great because I've been able to research and find different small collectives of amazing creatives already in this space. You know, I did enough conversations in 2020 to realize that when you go from one crew to the next crew, kids might be suggesting one thing that another crew is already up and doing. So like, I'm a real like, supporter from afar uh and i admire the whole you know like dweller crew out of new york because they've occupied that space fostered a community and are pushing for that me and and you or whoever's in you know san francisco or you know texas and all these other cities that are trying to gather having these same conversations being like yo we should re reprogram the system whatever i think my me being overground, you know, I have like a louder voice. Yeah. It's almost like <laughs> you have five million followers. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like it's because my knee-jerk reaction is be like, yo, you and I are gonna start a festival, right? Because right. we should like right. if we don't, then we're just doing what we said we were not gonna do, just be talking about complaining, it. Like, you know. We like, can do it. Like I can find money, <laughs> you know, I can leverage some uh, resources and we curate it but then my brain immediately went to there's already kids in that space so if it's just a matter of communication and being like yo we're we want to see this change i want to see a festival in 2022 or 
2022 that is dope and puts black electronic music at the forefront you know or uh, just as like a sunny sidebar if i instagram that right now kids would be like at my head being like yo he stole the idea of such and <laughs> oh, such you know? oh, <laughs> i said that <laughs> yeah exactly you know like that's that's also being the overground but like i really want to show up to that festival and play you know i really want to i really want that in our lifetime to sort of like see the uphill battle, provide the solution and then see the glory days emerge out of what we saw as like an inefficiency in the whole system. Like that make, that's like what you do after 25 years of just playing behind CDJs in a mixer. It's like, Oh, like when you hear Frankie Knuckles stories, when you hear paradise garage stories, when you hear stories about like, uh, the loft in the freedom because the the actual dance floor was at one with the mixer yeah. like let's be real like the last I stopped DJing about a year before the pandemic because I was a bit frustrated mm. with the dance floor <laughs> you know like like I have OCD about how it moves and like the cell phone thing or yeah. like playing the right rooms that like you know don't need a like you can do like a long journey uh versus like people feeling like they're going out to sort of get gratification with you know playing these festival they needed to be like banging from like the first track they like let's go (laughs) yeah 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 like like that's the (laughs) festival circuit for me i would remember being fresh because i would land play after an opening DJ probably played like all the fire tracks, the crowd is like not properly built up. And then yeah. it's like perform, but that's just in my own personal, like I'm getting too granular. <laughs> right? No, but I, I, I totally, I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like building the festivals and I mean, the creativity, honestly, with black people, like it's there, it's been there. It's not going anywhere. Um, I think it's definitely good that, you know, more of an awareness is coming across like the industry. Um, But I also look at it, you know, sometimes like it's on us to create our own shit again, like reasoning why I started Underground in Black. And it was a well, it still is whenever movement starts up again. (laughs) I was doing a movement uh, festival weekend party. I started doing a party Underground in Black with all Black artists and just kind of catering to like the kind of new millennial like sound and edge of this shit. Um, And it's kind of cool, I think, in the position we're in because we're at that age where it's like we're still kind of like halfway in between. Like we're not like all the way OGs, but we're also not like, we're not like 21. So to me, I look at this role of like, you know, we're kind of in a cool position because we're still kind of like young enough to like relate with the, you know, the new folks, but still have the foundation and know like what what it really was and (laughs) how black it was and how amazing it was. So it's like, you know, I think that's some cool insight, you know, just to continue creating, whether it's a festival or a small party or a blog or, you know, a podcast, uh, whatever it is. And you mentioned Dweller and like Make Techno Black again. Like these are other kind of collectives and movements that I've became, you know, aware of in my journey. And like, it seems like it's picking up, you know, like it seems like more people are interested, you know, more people are reaching out. um, Yeah. And my thing is like, and again, 
you know, I keep like, I keep focused on how does it like, you know, I take a careful approach to how change can happen. Right. Like, so take the emotion out of it, just like sort of like systemically or sort of mathematic, very practically. And I've deduced and I, in my own sort of like black community of thinkers, you know, rigorous thinking. I remember in 2020, I was like community, right. We had this sort of like argument, like can, can, in unity, basically the sort of root of that word, can change happen without unity? Mm. So it was like unity. And then we, then we had media on the other side. It's like two post-it notes, potential, like, all right, it's a war out here. How does shit change? <laughs> like, you know, and we were debating, like my one friend was like, we don't need media. Like that's whatever. But I'm like, yo, I'm overground. So <laughs> If yeah, I wouldn't corporate... have a job. Shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, especially like media that's in the point of view of like telling the black side of the story is otherwise who's writing the narrative or what is the narrative that's contextualizing our existence? You know, if we don't control that, that this is sort of my thing. So we don't have a voice in that, then we were lost at every step of the way. But then unity, unity is like, okay. If there's a crew over there making headway, but they're not connected to a crew over here and a crew over there, then is the needle actually moving holistically or is it just moving in one spot? Yeah. You know, and that to me was like, we need both. You know, like I'm only remembering the parts that I'm an advocate for Yeah. because it's like all these little, like we're gaining momentum. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, it's just, I didn't feel this in 2018 or 17, you know, like oh. I, I was just telling a friend I was at South by Southwest and Total Freedom and Solange had done like the f- most fire show. I was talking to Tizo Touchdown. Okay. You know him? I don't know. Yeah, fire art, like one of my favorite music artists of the last 10 years easily. Okay. But it's like ultra creative Atlanta uh, kid from Houston. My bad. Um, but whatever I was telling him, he's like, you ever been to South by uh, Austin? I was like, yeah, I went to a fire showcase. It was Solange and total freedom. And it was like, you know, it was, it was, it was everything in between both of their sounds. Yeah. And I was like, to have that as like a night out that I remember out of the hundreds and hundreds of nights out where it's like two black contemporary artists that you know, transcend their sort of just musical genre. I was like, that needs to be the norm. Like, exactly. like that was niche, (laughs) but like, there's an opportunity now for all of us collectively. If you said all the names that we've said on, in our Rolodex, if we all came together, which is the unity part, you tell me this wouldn't be the most fire, like indie niche, um, content platform like and I yeah. when I when you when I met you and I first clicked on your show underground and black and I was like of course it's on NTS <laughs> <laughs> you know which is like a safe haven for yeah. your intellect but imagine where all these people we all exist we know each other we're within one degree of separation exactly if, and so 
you would be hard pressed to ever find me talking shit about somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not my, I can't live like that. I'm more, I end up doing like diarrhea of the mouth where I'm like sending signals out to be like, yo, if we can build a community, like I'm down to be a conduit, you know, yeah. and like we did that with uh, the imaginary TV thing for off white, but like life is so fucked up that I'm only solution based, yeah. you know? That makes sense. I mean, I like that. And I mean, and speaking about unity, definitely like within the black community and black creatives, like I think, yes, yeah, so much can happen and even more cool stuff can be, be can be created by us, you know, coming together and working together and just kind of coming up with our own solutions. Because sometimes I think it's like if we're just waiting for society yeah. or like, you know, I don't know, white people or whoever to just like yeah. make yeah. it right. Like sometimes, you know, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta take things, well, uh, you know, in, into our own hands. Um, and even like working with these platforms, you know, working with someone like resident, resident advisor, you know, they've had like, you know, they've been under fire, you know, for certain yeah. things. And I've had moments where I felt kind of like awkward, like, should I continue? But again, like, you know, we're telling the stories and, um, you know, it's a, a platform yeah. that can amplify, you know, my voice and, you know, my movement. So I'm going to do that. Um, but I definitely think it's important, like for there to be black media and for us to tell our stories and to interview yeah. each other, which is why this whole partnership with RA came about. Um, and for me, it goes even deeper because like my grandmother was a writer and like uh, my great grandfather, yeah. like they were, had a black newspaper, they were a part of the black press. So it's like really a part of like my history and my personal culture to like tell the stories of black people. But I tell stories. Yeah. Like I realized the importance of it. Um, and, you know, to touch back on the social media thing, like, yeah, it is a way for us to actually unify. Like it's so much easier to find each other, just like, you know, my yeah. relationship with you, like how we met, it was like super cool. I was like yeah. really excited and I was just like, man, you know, Stevie is awesome. Um, yeah. But I realized like, yeah, like just to have other people on your team that look out for you and can, you know, introduce you to other people and we can all kind of just build this ecosystem to help each other out because, you know, black creativity is so much bigger than all of us. You know, it's all about coming together and just like, you know, making, making things happen and just letting. But let's get happen. granular because I'm, I'm, I'm my part of my mission in life is to make everything lit. Right. <laughs> because I can imagine and I'm not like in all these conversations all the time. I'm pretty much in my own world. Yeah. But what I love is, you know, me and hopefully people from my sort of overground because it's underground overground right and so they're gonna they're gonna see us post this podcast they they probably get the top line message about how uh how there's a lack of diversity in this spaces yeah. like i'm gonna turn the table around and ask you a question okay. right <laughs> when because i want i love because i i know i have my own answer but i don't want to hear myself speak people of color djing what often is the difference? You know what I'm saying? Cause like, I'm just hearing like from the, I want, I want you to talk about it from your own. Like why, when you play, when you present records in your DJ set, like what is the world missing? Because they're not like, it's disproportionately uh, a lack of color when there's 
these club nights and then i'm gonna ask answer some vibes after yeah i mean for me what's missing or what i think i'm bringing to the table is just an authentic black energy i know that sounds kind of cliche but uh for me specifically also being a woman from detroit like someone coming from a black family who's like really out here doing it it's not really like a struggle story like i come from greatness and and i know that and i yeah. care and i carry that and and i'm proud of it um and being someone who's been listening to this music or a part of it before i even really knew the true definition or what it was um it just feels very organic so i think you know, me being a black woman in dance music, I think what I bring to the table is just an authenticity that I know no one else has, especially just being an individual, no one is gonna offer what you offer. So just yeah. kind of like knowing my own power, uh, you know, track selection and being friends with people like Ron Trent and Kyle Say and Juan Atkins, like knowing all these OGs yeah. and, not even on no groupie shit, but like on some cool shit. Like these are friends. Yeah, yeah. These are people that I could hit up at any time. And they know like, you know, that most of the people support. They're happy to see a black woman who is, you know, their goal is to push the culture forward. You know, again, like this is not just for me to like make money and be cool and post flyers. Like I truly <laughs> love this. This is my passion. And I think that typically is what you know, shows through my work, whether it's writing, interviewing, or DJing. Um, it's just an authentic black, you know, soulful, yeah. passionate energy. And like yeah. I, know, I know no one could take that shit away. So that's what keeps me going. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like for me, for me, when I answer my own question, <laughs> I'm trying to practice <laughs> to be an interviewer. I never done that. That's the I only like thing that. that's I not like on that. my resume. Like <laughs> But I want to be on my Oprah. Um, right. <laughs> like what I what I know is that well, number one, let me tell you this like tangential story about my fashion career. I remember, you know, I've spent years doing this. I lived in Italy for a moment and learned how to design shoes, like, you know, in a small town in Italy. And I I remember it was at a Giuseppe's Zanotti factory. And I remember it's like in the middle of nowhere, right? This is like same for Detroit, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember asking them, I was like, why in the world does like high heels come from this small, super small town? And Giuseppe said to me, he was like, you're looking at life in too short of a window trying to find an answer that's much bigger. And he was like, the reason why we make shoes here today is for generations, mm. like shoes have been made. So grandmothers, grandfather, you know, like, so he was like in this land that you're standing on, imagine when your mother's mother and your father's father's father have done one thing, it's in your hands. Yeah. When, when you go to cut a pattern, like there's there's what you're doing and then there's the ancestry of the fact that your lineage has done the same thing and that's exactly. evolution so when i think of it's a bit short when i think of black djs and the fact that they're you know the minority so what's the world missing it's like these subcultures were created in our community given the circumstances you know especially yep. like hip-hop uh graffiti yeah. street what they call streetwear right so 
these things were birthed in our ecosystem yeah so that there's an intangible quality to like I know when I'm DJing and I'm looking for a kick, like what song to play after the one that's coming. I'm looking for a kick drum that moves me before I deliver it to somebody else. And then I'm thinking about like the, the artist name, like where do they come from? Like, how does this, how does that story work into the previous one? Cause I know if I was on the dance floor, if I heard, you know, uh, Omar S and Kyle Hall tracks together, I would be like, oh, he's weaving together two sections of Detroit before he goes to, you know, uh, fucking Bugs in the Attic, you know, playing <laughs> Broken Beat or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, telling a little story. Telling, you know? telling a story. And so what I mean is like, okay, I approach DJing with that sort of like the histories and the, 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 the drum pattern. You know, I'm yeah. like... How can I, and then I'm like drill, rap, Chicago, you know, like, how can I, how can I weave Chief Keef into this foundation and in my own head? And I, and of course, any DJ from any ethnicity has their own thing, but when it's black and when it's like, you can identify with the struggle of the artist that is in the record, then you're playing, (laughs) then, then you're playing something else. And that's what, is it, that's I just wanted to touch on that because yeah in interviews I, I want anyone who's listening to be like damn okay that adds a different cut to the prism of what we're fighting for not exactly. just the fact that in equal in equal exactly that that I mean that's so true like again like yeah just knowing that historical aspect of it is just like. Yeah, it's it's deep. Like, you know, like I guess sometimes I have to just to even just hearing you say that it's like, yeah, just knowing the history and the culture of it all. And like for us to be here today, like in the future, yeah. you know, like kind of continuing yeah. telling these stories, because sometimes I wonder, like, damn, like in 20 years when they'd be like, oh, yeah, Ash Lauren, you know, like. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's no, going yeah. to happen for real. This podcast will reference over 2020. I like this is a side story that fits in. Over 2020, you know, I'm bored, like, watching content, like, watching documentaries. Um, and I was watching, just on Netflix, like, bored. And I clicked on the Studio 54 documentary. Did you watch that? Have you seen it? I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm never, I'm not on some negative vibes, but yeah. <laughs> you don't, there's not much you need to see in terms of, like, <laughs> what, and so, but I'll tell you how I got to that point, right? I was like, I'm a club, I like the histories of you know I'm an architect so I like the history of the glory days because I'm still like searching for what is that for our generation so (laughs) I'm watching it and I'm like oh this is the documentary of what I already knew without even watching it it was like cocaine floating in the air I think I did see it no I did see it and then like there was like the the door guy that was just like super yeah okay yeah and so I was like mind you I'm just looking at it from a historic like like let me let me actually get a list lesson in what studio 54 the name both most notorious and when I got like two-thirds of the way through and I was like they haven't even mentioned the DJ of the club like it was about who was there it was about the look and feel it was about the drugs it was about yeah. this but there was no like interview with like oh the guy or girl who had dj'd the spot or what the sound system was like yes or, who was curating all of yeah, this yeah it was so, not yeah. a part 
And so I was like, dang, like the most contemporary pop reference for the heyday was devoid of whoever was controlling the music. And I was like, I I was posting this on my Instagram stories and I was like, cut. I skipped just <laughs> referencing uh, Paradise Garage and going on a YouTube to dig in the loft and just to dig about the the factual information about what was happening in New York around this. Because I was like, I suspect that this is just the most commercial pop thing because it was glitz and glam. It was Not bottle service. C- celebrities, exactly. Which, which we all know the histories of New York the marginalized, the underground, the people that were on the dance floor, the DJs that were literally crafting, blending records together, doing it for the love and passion were at the loft and were Paradise Garage and, you know, the, the, the gay community, the, the freedom that was happening, you know, uh, Larry Levant, you know, so I was like, man, I need, I need a dose of history from from that Frankie Knuckles and then you go to what was happening in Chicago and I and I say yeah. all that because that's like the history is is deep yeah I mean it's it's deep and uh, I was going to ask you I watched a documentary recently did you see the Jules Catch One documentary no. oh you got to watch that so that's like about one of like the first like queer dance clubs in LA and it was owned by a black woman and it's crazy because I played there. Um, I played a party called a club called Rhonda. And I yeah. I saw the documentary like after and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> like I didn't even know the historical like nature of the venue. And I was like so pissed off because I mean, it For was real. a fun gig, but I'm just yeah, like, yeah. if I would have known the history even then, like when yeah, I walked yeah, yeah, in, yeah. I would have kind of maybe contextualized. Handled it. <laughs> exactly uh but yeah it's called jewels catch one it's such I'll a catch it. yeah so i'll watch it. i played ronda in uh it was a coachella after party okay uh, yeah like i think i saw that yeah I remember two years that. back yeah. and that was like and i you know you have to look at it from my perspective i don't even i don't even do interviews on djing but for me i love the challenge right because most people don't think i can dj like you know like that's no, the you other can part. dj i was listening no you can definitely <laughs> but, but no nah, but i love it where <laughs> it's like it's weird you know i that's what i that's how i exist but I, imagine yeah. my where i nerd out on the granular the context the space the city the crowd and i try to i try to leave an impression that's like damn don't judge a book by its cover or whatever exactly and and there's certain venues that I dial in, whether it's like Fabric in London or Sub Club in Glasgow or Rhonda. Like mm-hmm. these are, you know, I know about it just on the circuit. It's like these are esteemed places where people go who who know what they're listening to and appreciate it. Like, um, yeah, so sick. This is how I know it was a good interview because like half the stuff I written like wrote down, we didn't get, we were just kind of talking naturally. So like that's Yeah, we can wrap it, we can go through it. Yeah, we on some just natural conversation shit. And I like that. Um, But one thing I did want to ask you, just you touched on it a little bit earlier, um, was your relationship like working with Ron Trent? Like how did that begin? And you know, what was it like? And what did you do? And what did you learn? Man. I love those moments when it's like you're young and humbled to 
to just know you're in the right place. Skepta told me that he was like a friend of mine. He was like, yo, you're, we're, you know, we're, we're both, you know, first born from, uh, African, him, Nigeria, me, Ghana. Um, so he, he described us as like knowing where to stand in the room and the party at, at all times. Like that's, that's kind of like our, our gift. It's like, and then and that's a metaphor for being like, I was, I was in Chicago. None of my friends were as deep into DJing as I was, you know, I was too young to be on any lineup. Then the only thing I could do is like be of help to work the door, you know, <laughs> count the money. But I want, I knew I needed to be there. And yeah. I knew like that that's the vibe. And, and Ron obviously is so historical, but my, it was really my relationship with Sonia, his, partner to do the club night okay and why that was integral is the club night was called africa high five mm -hmm. and so this is like you know it's it's chicago how it's like house music in the years of the 2000 but i was listening to i was heavily into the broken beat scene in the uk as well so i was like you know the african influences with house music i just basically learned house music from a contemporary sense by being able to go to the club for free and watch Ron Trent, you know, on a regular basis. But then it was like, you know, they were older, so they had their friends and they had their like community. So when we would do Africa Hi-Fi at like in um, like downtown during the daytime parties, it was just a community that I could escape into and be immersed by. Um, exactly. And you're just like an OG, you know, like, mind you, all my friends, I was coming out of turntablism, like scratching yeah. and that he was, on the, he was on the hip hop shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so I didn't, you know, like the, the first textures of like house music all night dancing, you know, dancers instead of like hip hop crowd was just literally like meant, uh, just doing the hand <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, this was during like, you know, I was listening to all that Common and MC Juice and all this like Chicago hip hop shit. It was all like, and it was all at the same venue, Sonatech, this one spot in okay. Chicago. Gotcha. But. I mean, again, I think it all goes hand in hand. Um, and that's definitely cool. Uh, Ron Trent is definitely someone that I can I mean I I know I, I don't think I feel like I have one like mentor but there's definitely been like a collective energy you know from people you know throughout my career that I've met that you know just kind of like stick with you or just always have great encouraging things to say or like some real ass game yeah. to give you um and Ron Trent is definitely one of those people so I thought that that was cool um yeah. you guys have like a working you know work relationship and also a friendship uh, he's yeah. actually in Atlanta right now doing a monthly residency at a place called Rocksteady. Um, oh, so, fire. Yeah, so him and Rich Medina are playing uh, tonight, like a little kind of location dig. dig. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, um, one more, I mean, I guess my last question, this is something I touch on a lot um, on this podcast is like mentorship and the importance of mentorship uh, within the Black community. Um, like what does mentorship mean to you and how has it helped you um, on your journey? Mentorship, you know, it's the glue, you know, like if you, if you look at the lexicon of who I relate to, it's like a spider's web, both 
into the future with young kids and like into the past with, you know, like I feel like if I hear myself talking, it's like, oh, I have all these like valuable relationships with like a lot, like too many people for them to all be (laughs) valuable. But, you know, come on, like I'm a descendant, uh, you know, it's Kanye West and I started our journey out of Chicago, like on that level. But, mm-hmm. and then I extend to Ron Trent and Common the same way mm-hmm. that I can extend to, you know, Venus X and Ghetto Gothic and Hood by Air and Shane, you know, like those are my formative years in New York playing part, playing her parties and, mm-hmm. and going on that journey, you know, like that's like, that was equally as important. She's a younger than me and she's my mentor. You know, like wow. she'll she'll <laughs> tell me she'll she'll check me any day, but then I'm talking to her tomorrow on Saturday to give advice on just some career shit, you know, and like um like in my fashion scope, you know, like my first interns is black designer Samuel Ross. And now he's he's got a, a brand called the Cold Wall. He's showing on the British fashion schedule in, in my studio now, Ibrahim. Uh is like a young stylist out of London. He's younger than me, but he's head of Dazed. He just took over as editor-in-chief of Dazed magazine. And then like my whole London crew, Skinny Macho, like record, uh, start record label. And like, you know, was younger than me, but teaches me, you know, so I have these elastic, very, very important like relationships. And And what mentorship granularly means, not just like the word, means like, yo, let me be your soundboard. You know, like, let me, like, yo, I want to do a party. I want to DJ here. Like, is that a good idea? Should we do it? Yo, let's do it together. Or yeah. that's that's whack. Did you see what that person did? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, I think, and that's why I want to, I keep saying that I said it a million times and we'll end on this vibes, like the underground overground. For me, life moves too slow, right? I have ADD. I need to get stuff done and I want to do it because I'm so inspired like I'm charged up based on all the things that I've listened to and seen you know like I see a video of uh, old footage of Paradise Garage like I want to be in front of a (laughs) rotary mixer blending in you know a Michael Jackson record with like a Chicago house record to get that feeling so I being overground I've learned that I can share opportunity and not share struggle. Exactly. And so I'm focused on seeing progression in my lifetime. So that means providing opportunity, but uplifting the people who helped me get to where I'm at. So all of my relationships, they're like elastic and circular, you know, like they like, anyone that's you know like a lot of my relationships are really long too you know I've, like I said I'm into the same things I was when I was 17 yeah. which is like looking for records trying to find the perfect pair of jeans or the fire jacket that I saw in my brain um <laughs> and trying to, and just trying to make make the world a better place like that's really my mo yeah I mean it seems like you're doing a great job you know again like I can say from our relationship you know uh, although new you know like we got to do the imaginary tv together 
that was a sick opportunity. And again, like I've seen you work with other, you know, creatives that I know. And so, yeah, the overground versus underground, I think it's just about, you know, bridging the gap between the two and staying true to what you love, staying true to what you love, which, you know, I've kind of recognized about you. Like, yeah, you've always loved music and you're still doing it regardless as if you're doing architecture and fashion and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, we can bring all these two worlds together um, and just keep the shit popping. And like you say, lit, because <laughs> that's what we need. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know anyone who's against things being cool and lit and awesome <laughs> and inspiring, you know, so. Uh, yeah. But I, I think just wanna, to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, just to end, it's like, I'm glad you hit on it early. This like keeping it real, the underground, like you can keep it like we all know what that means and we all know why it's important but you can if you keep true to that at any stage like you deserve and we deserve as people of color that have contributed to pop culture multi-billion dollar industries exactly. we deserve to relish in the success just as much as we deserve the the sort of like uh, positive feedback that creating from struggle gives us like that's euphoric but it doesn't pay us in practical monetary terms or you know metrics of success obviously it's to each his own yeah. but we deserve that we deserve to not exactly. be like erased or we deserve not to like show up uh you know i can imagine the times that you must have been like telling someone oh you dj and you're like what kind of music and they're looking at you like they're like what they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like house they're like what is that isn't that like that do 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 i'm like oh god here we go like oh, um, yeah. but again yeah i mean virgil this was like a really amazing conversation and um again i appreciate you for taking the opportunity to sit down and chat um yeah so yeah, like hopefully we can do it again soon and um, just keep keep being creative and keep doing what you do. And, you know, I got respect. Man, likewise. And to end, whoever wants to do this festival thing, you and I. Let's go. Whoever, build yeah. the network. Like, like put it in the comments. Exactly. Like, Let's do it. I want to, I, like when it comes to 2021, I want to be at the best festivals I've ever played in my life and it's going to be a boom so why not make sure we're a part of it exactly exactly and uh we're you know we're in the place to do it you know this is yeah. the time in the place so um so Pablo, right. thank you again and enjoy the rest of your day likewise take care peace. all right cheers all right peace